I got to wear a sweater this week, you guys. So officially, it's sweater weather. Today, by the way, is Friday, September 18th. And according to nationaltoday.com, it's National First Love Day. Hi and hello. You found the podcast for moms who don't have time for podcasts. You can think of me as your internet bestie as we share recommendations, laugh about the ridiculous things we see online, and cheer each other on. I'm Indiana Adams, and today, by the way, is the short and sweet podcast that hopefully brightens your day. I am so glad you're here. I started keeping a diary in kindergarten. I'd write in a diary at least once a week up until high school and then less when I got into college because I started keeping my diary online. I would say that my online diary played a small part in what would later become my marriage. I kept a blog about being single and chronicled terrible dates I would go on and talk about being dumped but still having to see my ex-boyfriend on campus at our very small private Christian college. Chris and I were friends from the internet, but the first piece of mail he ever sent me was a four-page letter encouraging me to use my season of singleness well, i.e. stop going out with losers. It was funny looking back through all those old diaries, diaries that I pretty much just tossed this week in a cleaning frenzy. I kept a few important pages, but truth be told, my diaries were just long, embarrassing musings about the boys that I pined for. I love stories about couples who found each other early in life. Many of my classmates from high school married their high school sweethearts and are still married to this day, which, one, I love them for that, but two, I'm thankful that that wasn't my story. Today, in honor of National First Love Day, I thought I'd share my story of my first unrequited crush and how that led to one of the other loves of my life. I spent most of elementary crushing on all the boys, but never beyond thinking anyone was cute. I didn't flirt. I didn't have a boyfriend. I didn't hold hands with anyone. There were no serious crushes. I mean, it was elementary school. Does flirting and going with someone and holding hands happen that early? I don't know. It hasn't for my kids yet, and they are in first, second, and fourth grade. My first big crush came on the very first day of sixth grade, my first day of middle school. Two lockers down, a boy named Todd had a locker. He wore Chuck Taylors and had Zach Morris hair, and I was a goner. We had no classes together. He made me really nervous, and I could not even muster up an excuse to talk to him. But like Harriet the Spy, I began collecting intel on him. He was a Boy Scout. He had a little brother. He went to elementary school with my friend Amanda, who informed me that he was not, quote, all that. But then, the day before Christmas break, I had signed out of study hall to take a Christmas gift to my English teacher, and who was walking down the empty hallway in the same direction? Todd. He saw that I was holding a glass Christmas tree full of starlight mints, and he asked me if he could have one. This was a gift I was delivering to my favorite teacher, so... But you know what I did? Oh, I opened that tree and dumped a whole handful of mints out for Todd. And then I gave Mr. McCartney a partially filled jar. It's kind of embarrassing. But it was Christmas break and school was out for a couple weeks and I knew that that interaction would fade from Todd's memory. So when second semester started, I kept trying to find excuses to talk to him. One time I pretended that I couldn't get my locker open in hopes that he would offer to help. He did not. And I didn't know how to stop the ruse, so I just went to class without my books. (laughs) I joined Girl Scouts for a very short time in the chance that he would talk to me about scouting. 
And on our end of the year school field trip, I saw that he had a Simon and Garfunkel CD in his CD case. So I went home and counted out my money and I got myself the same Simon and Garfunkel album and listened to it nonstop. To this day, it remains one of my favorite albums. I probably listen to a song off of it close to daily still. Nothing ever became of Todd and I. I carried that crush from the sixth grade all the way through the ninth grade when we finally landed in a class together. P.E. I had this really nice boyfriend at the time, but when Todd and I landed in the same swimming unit in P.E., I was like, this is my chance. And I broke up with that sweet, sweet kid with a glimmer of hope that my sixth grade crush would finally have an interaction with me. We had a few, but nothing really beyond him recognizing that I was a human person in his vicinity. I even became the boys track team manager because he ran track and still nothing. I was just too shy to ever say anything and honestly felt super pathetic for carrying that torch for so long, but it was all just really sweet and pathetic and innocent. (laughs) And my diaries are just filled with little notes like, was washing the boys track uniforms and saw number 23, that's Todd's, (laughs) or looked up Todd's phone number in the phone book today just for fun. So sad. But something that came out of that crush was music that I purchased for myself. Up until that point, all the albums I owned were things that my grandma had gotten for me. She did good, though. I had Thriller when I was in the first grade. She got me the New Kids on the Block tapes. I had Debbie Gibson and Tiffany. But that Simon and Garfunkel CD made me open up my dad's old records. It was there that I found The Beatles and Sticks and Boston and Rush. It was then that I started listening to the radio to record songs onto cassette tapes and then begged for a double cassette stereo with high-speed dubbing so I could make mixtapes. I always had a Walkman or a Discman on me, and I was one of those people who had a binder of mixed CDs in her car as well as a visor holder of CDs. It was 1996 when I got a car, a brand new Chevy Cavalier that had a pretty decent factory stereo, and the CD player was standard. My first serious and good relationship was when I was a senior in high school, and one of the first gifts I can remember him giving me was the Beastie Boys Anthology. Our relationship was pretty innocent and cute. We would spend most of our time together fighting about what movies to rent or sitting in his room listening to music. When Chris and I met online, we met on a site called College Club, and I was a sophomore in college, and so was he. I was near Chicago at Olivet Nazarene University, and he was here in Atlanta at Georgia Tech. We moved to chatting to AIM, and our friends started chatting with each other, too. But where we really bonded was the next year over, (laughs) this is so dumb, but we bonded over Napster. I don't know how to explain Napster to you young ones. This is like the time Jude and I went out to eat, and I said, you know, buddy, this building used to be a place called Blockbuster, and people would come here to rent movies. And Jude asked, why, did you not have computers to rent movies from? <laughs> and I had to say something like, no, no, think of this like like a library, but instead of books, it was DVDs that you could pay to borrow. There would be shelves and shelves of them, and you had like 24 or 48 hours to bring the DVD back. Oh, so like a red box machine, but a whole building was needed. Yes. <laughs> and thank goodness he knew what a red box machine was. Anyway, Napster. I know I need to explain it, but here, I asked Chris to quickly explain it instead. Napster was a program where you could download music files directly from other people on the internet uh, who you knew or didn't know. They could be anywhere. And it was huge among college students who had fast internet connections because 
that wasn't a thing for people at their home back then. And that's where our friendship really leveled up. But more about that after the jump. I have to pause right here to spotlight our newest sponsor, Upper Room. The Upper Room is a Christian organization that publishes books and magazines that produce programs to support the spiritual life of Christians around the world. The Upper Room is best known for the Upper Room Daily Devotional, which is published in 35 languages and is available in more than 100 countries. I remember seeing them for the first time when I was a new Christian at my Christian college. We kept them in our common rooms for students to use. Let's face it, setting time aside every day for daily devotionals isn't always a top priority for busy parents, and the Upper Room knows this. Their daily devotional guide provides daily inspiration, daily community, and daily prayer. It's the only Christian interdenominational daily devotional magazine written by their own community of readers, ordinary people, people who have encountered God in daily situations. The Upper Room has over 80 years of history and 5 million readers around the world. The Upper Room is here for you every day through your email, a custom app, and a printed magazine. You can enjoy a free 30-day trial of their email or app service by visiting upperroom.org welcome. That's U-P-P-E-R-R-O-O-M dot org slash welcome to get your first 30 days free. I just signed up myself to check it out. I can't wait to hear what you think. And now back to the show. Okay, so knowing someone's Enneagram number is fine. Knowing someone's favorite Babysitter's Club member is better. But asking people what music they listen to is how you'll really get at the heart of people. My friend Kelly on Facebook recently posted this thing that said, I don't care what your favorite color is. Tell me what song you played on repeat during a time you thought your whole world was ending. And I thought, yeah, that is a way to really get to know someone. So... When Chris and I would discuss Napster and share files with each other, I got to know him in a way that I hadn't before. Before Chris, I was mostly listening to pop, which I still love, and 90s rock, and then what I call dad rock, so like late 70s and 80s rock music. But no one had introduced me to newer indie bands, bands like Jimmy World and Dashboard Confessional. My college roommates weren't listening to that. They were mostly listening to contemporary Christian music. So I just wasn't familiar with that whole genre. Chris would suggest an album for me to listen to and then would want my thoughts. I remember that that Christmas, my mom gave me a lot of money for a pair of knee-high leather Nine West boots. But instead, I took that money to the music store to try to broaden my music collection and bought a stack of CDs to work my way through. Chris and I were just friends for a really long time. And then he mailed me a mix CD. And it was perfect. I was in college. I was listening to a whole lot of different music. I was playing in a band. So I was really involved and enmeshed in music and Like C.S. Lewis says that a joy that is not shared is a joy that is incomplete. And so I wanted to make you a CD of all these awesome bands that I had been listening to. And so I considered it and was very thoughtful with each song and the sequencing of it. I was actually hanging out with my ex-boyfriend. We were going somewhere, probably Chicago maybe. And I was playing this mix CD that Chris had made me. And my ex-boyfriend was like, wow, this guy put a lot of thought into this mix CD. Are you sure there's not something more there? And there wasn't, but it was the first time that I realized maybe, maybe one day there could be. 
meh, but probably not. <laughs> but ever since that mix CD, I have had exacting standards when it comes to a playlist. Have you ever read or seen High Fidelity? I feel a lot like Rob here. Making a playlist is a delicate art. It's like writing a love letter, but better in a way. You get to say what you want to say without actually saying it. You get to use someone else's poetry to express how you feel. And then there are the rules. It's got to be entertaining. Got to tell a story. Can't be too obvious, but can't be too obscure either. You can't double up on songs by the same artist, unless, of course, that's your theme. Anyway, a good compilation, like so many things in life, is it's hard to do. A perfect playlist is a beautiful thing, and I am constantly working on a playlist. I like to add songs to seasonal playlists. That way, when I'm feeling particularly nostalgic about someone or an event, I can find that playlist from, say, October 2017 and give it a listen, and it'll take me right back there. And I also have a playlist for everything. I rotate between three rowing playlists. I have two workout playlists. I have a playlist I listen to when I'm chatting with old high school friends. And last week, my college roommate passed away. And the very first thing I did, well, I messaged a couple friends and I asked them to share some songs with me that reminded them of her. And I put together a playlist that I could cry to. A good playlist is what endeared me to Chris forever, and I consider it a rung up on the intimacy ladder if you make me a playlist, or better yet, we do a collaborative playlist together. So, in the show notes, I have linked a playlist that I have made just for you. It's called My Internet Besties, and it's full of songs that I think feel like this show. Upbeat, a little quirky, not long, and easy to listen to. Don't overthink the lyrics. I have a weak spot for songs about unrequited love, but turn that on and bop along as you get stuff done. I will be cleaning out my fridge and my bathroom vanity to this very same soundtrack this weekend. Okay, friend, that is it for today. There are some show notes at todaybytheway.com slash episodes, and that's also where you can find the link to My Internet Besties, which is the best Facebook group on the internet. Speaking of first loves, today is National Cheeseburger Day, and as you may have seen in our Facebook group, you can get 50 cent double cheeseburgers at McDonald's today. That's in their app, and that's our good time, good deal. Our challenge this week is to rest well. I slept until 4 p.m. today after an extraordinarily difficult week. Someone on Facebook said something like, be gentle with yourself. We are six months into a pandemic, and it's been an unusually chaotic year. So find rest. Our challenge is to do whatever you need to do to find rest. That could be napping. That could be removing social media from your phone. That could be reading a really fluffy book or watching a mindless TV show. Whatever gives you a moment to catch your breath, find it and do it. Thank you for allowing me to rest well. It's the weekend. I hope that for you it's not productive at all. I hope it's just full of good rest. And maybe that'll be the most productive thing of all. Today is a new day, and friend, I am cheering you on. So officially, it is sweater, sweater weather, sweater, sweater weather.